this is Chris Fetters of Dogman.com, and it's Thursday afternoon, and I'm here with Scott Eklund, our recruiting analyst, to talk just kind of a little bit about all the recruiting topics that have been going on of late. And Scott, it's kind of crazy, even though there have been no on-campus visits, there haven't been very many camps or things like that, the camps are just kind of starting to come back a little bit, but there's not going to be any real seven-on-sevens or stuff that, that we're aware of. We're not sure if there's ever going to, if there's going to be a Rising Stars camp or anything like that so far in the summer later on. It, there's just a lot of unknowns, but yet there's still some things that we can definitely talk about. Um, the first thing I wanted to, to go back and talk a little bit about, we haven't uh, talked on a podcast about the commitment of Quentin Moore to Washington, the former Inglemore player who went to... Uh, what was it, Independence Community College in Kansas, yeah. mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, and then came back and uh, has decided that he wants to be a Husky. Tell us a little bit about Quentin Moore and what this commitment means for the Huskies, uh, not just for him, but also for the tight ends position moving forward. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's a good pickup for Washington from a talent standpoint. I know if uh, he had had the grades to get into the University of Washington, he would have been a very high priority for Washington back in the, I get what would that be, the 2019 class, I think it was. So, um, you know, he's a, he's a guy who was split out a lot uh, by Inglemore. He, he hasn't played a, a real tight end role until this past fall. And so, um, you know, there was a lot of questions about him as a every down tight end, but there's no questioning when you're almost six, six and you're 245 pounds, you can run like he does. You're an at, he's got soft hands, good athlete. Um, he's a great pickup for Washington. We've got him rated as the, what, number 10 overall JC recruit and the number one tight end in the country. So, um, lots of teams were after him and Washington, um, was the school that he had wanted to go to since he was a kid. His mom wanted him to go there, and uh, he ended up choosing the Huskies. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I mean, you, you look at his offer sheet, and you're, you know, you're seeing, obviously, Washington, but you're seeing ASU, Arkansas, Colorado, Florida State, Louisville, Maryland, Miami, Michigan State, Missouri, Nebraska, Oklahoma State, Ole Miss, TCU, Tennessee, uh, Utah, West Virginia. And, and this is pretty incredible for a guy. I think what did he have like six, seven catches last year in the entire season? Yeah, I think it was. I think it was seven on the entire season. Yeah. Yeah. People are going to look at that and go, "I'm looking at the stats. Where are these guys coming from? This kind of an evaluation. Where do you think people kind of picked up on him and thought, you know, I mean, how does he project? Because there really isn't a lot of film of him to to really go by. Well, there, you know, I talked to him a little bit about his stats situation, and, and um, if I remember correctly, he told me he was a little banged up for a couple games. Uh, took him a little time, time just to kind of get himself into the lineup and everything. And there was a guy in front of him who was uh, getting most of the playing time, so um, he was just used almost primarily as a blocker when he did play, and he you know, really learned a skill set that he didn't have when he showed up there. So that was, that was a, definitely a positive. And, and I think when you, when you have a guy that's as athletic as he is at, at nearly six feet, six inches tall and 245 pounds can run like a wide receiver. Um, soft, like I said, soft hands, he can do a lot of different things. I think that's why teams see, Hey, you know, we need to get this guy in our in our room and, and develop him for ourselves and teach him how to do some of these other things. And he can be a real special player here over the next two two or three years. Now, Scott, let's break down kind of the rest of the tight end recruiting real quick before we move on, because 
you know, you have recent commitments like uh, other Washington targets like uh, Malik Matavao to Oregon, Lake McCree to USC. Where does that leave some of the other targets that Washington's looking at? Are they still looking at taking another tight end in this class? Uh, they, my guess, not guess, my my feeling is yes, they are going to take at least one more in the class. Um, some people might ask about Caden Jumper. He is strictly going to be an H-back. He'll, he will do some some uh, tight end work, but his, his job is going to be as an H-back slash fullback where he is able to be kind of a lead blocker when they want to have somebody in the backfield with the running back and and then um, go in motion, cause some problems in the in the uh, passing game for some of these teams that don't know how, who to put on him and things like that. So he's going to do a lot of different things. But Caden Jumper is not going to be your typical every down tight end. Uh, Brock Bowers is the top guy on Washington's. Well, I don't want to say he's the top guy on Washington's board, but he's the top rated guy that Washington has offered. And he comes out of Napa, uh, California. A lot of people think Ohio State's the team to beat for him um, or possibly Georgia. I know Ohio State already got Sam Hart, so maybe Georgia is the top school for him. Um, he's 6'3", 225 pounds, so, so he's more of that receiving tight end, He but he can do it all for you. But at 6'3", 225 pounds, he can run. He can do a lot of great things for you in the offense. Obviously, there's a bunch of other guys that Washington is – has uh, offered that have gone to other schools. You already mentioned Lake McCree. Sam Hart has already gone to um, Ohio State. Jermaine Terrio is another guy that Washington wanted really bad, and he was out. Of, he went to Cal. And Maliki Matavao just committed what about a week ago, week and a half ago to Oregon. So um, there's a lot of other guys that they're still in on. I like where they stand with Eric Olson. I think they they also have a decent shot with Gunnar Helm. Those are both two tight ends out of Colorado. And don't be surprised if you see another name or two come up um, here in the next, uh, you know, over the next couple months um, that, that might receive some offers that Washington really likes. So just keep an eye on that. So moving on, Scott, obviously people are going to want to find out or get your thoughts on now that Quentin Moore is kind of the last guy to commit to Washington, who's going to be that next guy. And so we look at some of the crystal ball predictions by the 24-7 uh, analysts, guys like Greg Biggins, Brandon Huffman, Blair Angulo, and the guy that seems to come up now pretty consistently is Will Latu from Bethel, the big athlete, 6'2", 220, running back, linebacker, can kind of put him a little bit anywhere. Um, do you feel pretty good about Will Latu committing to Washington, and what do you think they'd get with a guy like Will? Well, I put him at a nine confidence level on yeah, my crystal ball. So, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about Washington uh, getting him. I did that uh, a couple days ago. I think I did it on Monday, and uh, or maybe it was Sunday. Um, but I put my crystal ball in at, at nine for him. I think Washington is going to get him. This is a the guy they've kind of circled back around about. So they offered him last June, June 19th, and I put in a crystal ball selection then. And um, but that was before we had confidence level for for things, and I put in a confidence or a, a pick then, and I thought it was only going to be a matter of time. I thought he would commit to Washington even before his junior season, and then we got to his junior season, and he just did not look good. I don't think he he uh, played at a very good weight last year. I think he was closer to like two fifty five, two sixty last season. He was big he was he was on the sloppy side 
and you know for lack of a better term and I just was not that impressed he was slow to the hole offensively he was slow diagnosing plays he didn't even play defensively in one of the games that I went and saw him play so um you know I I was like you know and then I I started asking around and it sounded like a lot of schools had kind of backed off of him and and not decided not to take they weren't backing off of him like pulling an offer from him but they just weren't ready to take a commitment from him and so then uh we go through his junior season bethel actually has a pretty good year um and it seems like something clicked within him and he got his mind right and started to lose a little bit of weight and started to get a little bit more even more focused on his grades which have always been kind of the thing that was going to hold him back and i'm not saying he's back to his freshman season level where he was just flying around making plays all over the field but as long as he he is his head is in the game his heart is in the game he's he's a special talent like you said chris 62 i think he's closer to 240 than he is 225 right now and uh he's a guy who could be really versatile for you he could play uh i think he's going to end up playing linebacker but some people are saying he could play some running back i don't see that i don't see a d1 uh running back when i watch him play but you know what i don't make those decisions so um if washington thinks he can do that you know then then you know maybe they'll let him do that but um you know i think they're they're going to get a guy who's athletic he can make a, a difference on on um special teams and you know, you add him into the mix, and I think one of the things to consider is that Washington may not have been liked him, you know, three or four months ago when, or I shouldn't say wouldn't have liked him, but they they didn't they weren't ready to take his commitment. But now I think they've kind of circled back around, and they're just like, yeah, he's done the things we need him to do. He's where he's at, and and uh, I think they they wanted to get another guy in the boat that's local, that's an FSP guy, and um, but man, he's got a he's got an uphill climb because. If he does commit to Washington, like we all think he will, he's got Joshua Calvert, Mickey Ayu, he's got um, he's got uh, uh, Jackson Sermon, MJ Tafisi, Alfonso Tupatala, Danny Hamuli. I mean, that's <laughs> a lot of bodies in there for two spots. So he's going to have his work cut out for him, but that may be giving be able to give him some time to get used to the college game and also go into class. And the schedule and, and thing that you have to uh, to be able to perform at both classroom and on the field once you get to college. And remind people, when is he expected to announce his decision? I believe it's on Father's Day, the 21st. Okay. I think that's when uh, the announcement is coming. Okay, that sounds good. So now what's interesting is, is if we go back to the kind of the crystal ball stuff, if people go to that page on Dogman, they'll see that there is a lot of zeros. I mean, O's that are in the predictions with guys. And uh, the latest one, obviously, is Troy Franklin, the big wide receiver out of uh, Menlo Atherton, the same school that produced Noah Ngalu and Daniel Hamuli, who are both at Washington. Um, I think Washington fans are probably a little surprised at this, not just because of the timing of the decision, but also because Washington was doing really, really well with him. And a couple reasons, or a couple questions I wanted to ask you is, first of all, why do you think... Oregon is such a player for guys that Washington is looking at this particular year of all years. Because if you go back in the Chris Peterson era, you'll see that there's not a ton of crossover 
with guys that Oregon is looking at and what Washington and guys that Washington is looking at. But for some reason this year, they've come head to head on a ton of guys already. And I'm kind of curious what you think about that. I mean, my personal opinion is that it just feels like Jimmy Lake has opened up the offers a little bit more. And so with a few more offers, now all of a sudden there is bound to be a little bit more crossover because we know Oregon offers, you know, what, 300, 300 plus every single year? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yep. So I I guess the biggest thing that I'm looking at and why they might be crossing paths a lot, at least this year, is because of one name. And that's Cooper Patania. And he was the recruiting guy at the University of Washington for the last uh, two, I think it was two years, might be three years, that he was at the University of Washington. And Jimmy Lake uh, either let him go or told him to look for other opportunities. And he left when uh, Chris Peterson took his job or, you know, took took uh, his leave of of the Washington football uh, head coaching job. And Jimmy started there and he just said, you know, I I appreciate what you did, Cooper, but uh, we're going to go in a different direction. So Cooper found his way down to the University of Oregon. And I think he's done a he's had a big influence on who Oregon's going after and I think that's one of the reasons why Washington and Oregon are also crossing paths the other reason is because there's a lot of talent on the west coast and Oregon's recruiting a lot of the west coast talent this year rather than I mean they are going national much more national than most west coast teams do because of their brand and and the fact that Nike helps them out a lot with their with their marketing stuff and all that but um, Washington isn't isn't as national as they are, and and so when they do cross paths, and it sounds like they are quite a bit this year, um, that's kind of one of the reasons is that it both Cooper Patania, and also because of the fact that there's a lot of talent, and Washington and Oregon out here on the West Coast, and Washington and Oregon are both going after the same guys. So Scott, based on what you know, and 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 the angle with Cooper, is this a case where? He took the blueprint with him and just told Mario Cristobal and the Oregon staff, this is how Washington recruits, these are the guys they're going after, this is what they like to Mm -hmm. do? Or do you get a sense that this is more personal? I don't think it's personal. Um, It could be. I I don't think that Jimmy and Cooper had any animosity toward each other over anything. So um, it might be personal between Mario Cristobal and Jimmy Lake because, um, you know, I, I think that, the staffs aren't real big fans of each other um, on the recruiting trail, especially. Um, but, um, you know, I think it's Cooper taken. I don't think he took Washington's board down, but he basically just said, hey, you know, these are the guys we look for. And I know Washington was real high on these guys. And these are guys who are going to be great in the classroom. They're going to be great. Uh, you know, they're, they're not guys who got to babysit all the time and and make sure they're staying out of trouble and things like that. And Let's get those guys in and pepper pepper in some of the. I don't want to say bad kids because they aren't. They probably aren't bad kids, but guys who just are a little bit more work for the coaches to manage and everything like that. So you get the good locker room and and uh, and talented football player guys, and then you get the real talented football player and and guys who aren't necessarily guys you'd uh, <laughs> you know you you'd uh, expect some schools to go after. So. Um, you know, it, it'll be, it'll be interesting. And I think this year will be the biggest, the biggest, uh, board, uh, 
crossover between Washington and Oregon, but you might see it next year a little bit too. But I think Cooper, you know, Mario Cristobal leads that thing. So Mario Cristobal, if he says, hey, these are the kind of guys I want to go after, I'm sure Cooper will adjust his way of thinking a little bit. But if he if he and Mario kind of sit down and, and, and Cooper says, hey, let's take the – you know, a lot of what I've learned from a guy like Chris Peterson and meld it with what you know, and maybe we can make the best uh, recruiting staff on the West Coast. And right now that might be the situation with the University of Oregon. Well, I'll tell you what, it's going to be interesting because the rivalry between Washington and Oregon is heating up to a level we really haven't seen before because not only do you have the recruiting battles in the offseason, but now you've got the really interesting dynamic with new offensive coordinators at both schools and both of them have ties to Penn State. When you look at Joe Moorhead at Oregon, you look at John Donovan at Washington, it's going to be really interesting to see who has the most success going forward right out of the gate and to see how that how that battle maybe kind of emerges a little bit too. So obviously a ton of stuff going on there. But the other thing I wanted to ask you about, um, Scott, in terms of just recruiting in Washington in general, is that it, it really seems like now Washington's got seven recruits so far seven commitments for the 2021 class but it the general feeling is that is things are going slow for Washington right now and COVID-19 has really hit hard obviously and that's affected a lot but that's affected everybody but what I want your perspective on is how do you think it's affected Washington's recruiting with the built for life getting guys on campus all the stuff that they talk about normally how have they been able to adjust to that, and how effective have they been in doing that? Well, I I will say this. Um, from what I've been able to gather from talking to recruits and, and those around the program that, that kind of follow this stuff a little closer than, than normal people would, um, I get the feeling that it caught Washington a little off guard that they were going to be under lockdown for – what are we in year month three month four um because it was march so yeah, yeah we're, we're, in, we're in like day the, 80 or day 90 yeah whatever it is whatever there. it is yeah it's just it's been ugly and i think washington thought hey maybe we'll just this will only be for the month of april and then we'll be back in may and doing our thing we'll be able to get out and and evaluate and you know they you know we can we can debate all all we want about um you know, was it necessary to do all the stuff that they've done to lock things down? You know, I'm sure some people don't think it was, and I think some people think it wasn't enough. So, um, you know, who who knows on that aspect? But I think Wash it caught Washington maybe a little off guard, and Washington isn't really big into the high pressure sales, and especially over the internet. They, they have guys who haven't even visited yet. Lake McCree was a guy who I think Washington had a great shot with. But they couldn't get him to visit. Well, USC didn't get him to visit, but they got him to commit to them. Why? Well, I think they're they're really into the high-pressure sales on a lot of these kids. Now, it doesn't hurt that their offensive coordinator has a lot of ties in Texas, and I'm sure that, that he played that up pretty big and, and everything. But um, that's Graham Harrell, right, is the yeah. OC down there? Yeah, Graham yeah. Harrell. So, so, you know, they – and, you know, I still think Washington's got a great shot at getting getting – Lake McCree, if they can get him up on campus. But I'd say that about a lot of kids right now. And we're going to see a ton of decommits in the in the fall. I, I think, you know, we have no idea what's going to happen. I, this is going to be so weird, Chris. I mean, you've been covering I, 
I'm in my 17th year. I think you're in year what, 2021, whatever it is that you've been covering recruiting. And it's just, it's hard to really fathom what's coming our way once we get to the fall because there's going to, I, I've talked to people in all, all different schools and, and, you know, personnel guys and everything like that. And everybody's saying the same thing. There are going to be so many decommits. It is ridiculous. You guys have no idea what's coming. And so we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. Washington isn't going to change up their fundamental recruiting strategy, which is to get guys on campus and sell them on the Built for Life program, talk to their parents, and, and do what they need to do. And I, I just really think that, you know, if this was going to be a regular thing for Washington, maybe they needed to change their strategy up. But I think this is just what it's going to be for them, which is, hey, we're, we're going to stick true to our, ourselves and not change up too much. And I know that they've added a lot of virtual visits and virtual tours with these kids that, that some other schools were doing a little bit earlier. Washington maybe was a little slower to the to start doing that, but it sounds like they've had some impact on some guys that have had some virtual tours and virtual visits. And um, I just, I think in the long run, it's not going to be that impactful to Washington if we can get out of having these lockdowns. I don't, I'm, I'm unsure if we're ever going to have a lockdown like what we saw because of the way it's just really played havoc with the economy. But if it is, Washington's going to have to change things up a little bit and, and work on how they sell things. But right now, having a new offensive coordinator, having a new tight ends coach, having a brand new head coach without any um, head coaching experience and no track record of, of any kind of record <clears throat> other than his ability to produce um, defensive backs for the NFL, you know, I think, and then no spring ball and, and no any of this other stuff. I think that's one of the things that's really played into Washington. I don't want to call it struggling on the recruiting front, but maybe just not, maybe being a little slower out of the gate than some of these other schools were. Well, there's certainly so much that's still unknown, right? Because, you know, you, you hear stories like Brian Kelly from Notre Dame saying they're under the impression they're not going to be able to even have any official visits at all through the rest of the year, which would be shocking, which would be amazing yeah, yeah. if that actually happened. Because if that were if that were to be true, then it's it's so difficult to see where Washington would go from there. Because all they have is what they've already kind of laid down in terms of their foundation. And you get the sense that, that they've been telling a lot of these top guys, look, we really are into you. We really love what you're about on the football field, off the field, in the classroom. We love your character. We love everything about you. We just want to make sure that you come up here so that you feel as good about us as we feel about you. And... Not having the ability to get those guys on campus is so hard for them to replicate that I think they've really tried to just hold off as much as possible. Like just, you know, you, you get the sense it's like the the old Hans Christian Anderson thing with the kid and the fingers in the dike trying to hold off the dam from blowing up. And you just, you know, you don't have, you only have so many fingers to be able to, to keep the water from, from, uh, from seeping through and, and the dam from busting loose. And, you know, you just, if that happened, if there were no official visits, that would be an absolute catastrophe for a school like Washington, who I think has been holding off and 
telling kids, hey, we want we want you up here in Seattle. We want you to see what it's all about. We want your parents up here. We want you to get the full feel because, you know, we've gotten you 95% of the way, but that other 5% is what keeps you here for four or five years. Not one of those things where you come on campus and then a year later you go, yeah, I made a big mistake. Because, you know, I mean, Scott, you've been covering these guys for a long time. This is not this is not how they operate. They operate under the impression that once you're committed to Washington and you've made that decision, you're already a part of the team. And so I think that's a big part of their whole concept of built for life and and all the stuff that they try to do when they find their kind of guys. And yeah. so I think that's been very difficult for them to to replicate. Um but do you get the sense are they gonna be able to even hold any camps? Are they gonna be able to do anything? I mean how yeah. do you envision they're going to be able to get guys on campus, especially like on game weekends when there's no when we we don't expect fans to be able to go to games? Chris, how, how do you imagine? Don't even, we don't even know if you and I and Kim and our interns will be able to be at camp. That's uh, right. At games. That's I mean, right. because are they really gonna? Now, granted, it's an open air uh, press box, but are we sure they're gonna allow people to be up in a press box? We you don't know, even know about practice. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't heard I mean, anything about anything. I know. So, I mean, I, I don't know. But um, as far as the recruit, there's there's been a lot of talk. And I mentioned this in a blog a couple weeks ago. And I think even before that, I even mentioned that there's been some talk about it. But more and more, I'm hearing that the coaches are really pressing for um, – for the NCAA to open up a week window, the last week of, of July, to open up a week where they can have kids on campus for camp. That's what I'm hearing. Now, in a normal recruiting cycle, let's say there was no lockdown, in a normal recruiting cycle, you have the open period and everything where camps can happen and on-campus workouts, that's usually June 1st to the end of June. Then the first two weeks of July, were a complete dead period and that was given to the coaches so that they could have some vacation time with their family because it's a long grind from you know the middle of July to gosh I mean, pretty much February because they're they're you know they're recruiting they're recruiting and trying to wrap up their class that first week of February so they they made that a dead period and then they were allowed to a lot of schools took advantage of this Washington was one that did not but they used to come back and they used to do like a lot of schools would do these Friday night lights events where I know Florida, Ohio state, Oregon did one. Um, a lot of, of these top 25 schools were holding these Friday night lights events where they invited the elite of the elite on their board. They brought them in, they worked them out. They did competitions. They did big barbecues and big events for them. And Washington didn't take advantage of it under Chris Peterson. I think that there was a chance that Jimmy Lake might have figured out a way to take advantage of that on uh, that aspect that they would open things up. But with the COVID lockdowns, everybody thinks that we can't have on-campus stuff until August 1st. Well, there are a lot of coaches I've heard that have been pressing, hey, we need to get at least some in-person evaluation with some of these kids. And can you please just give us that last week of July where we can have kids on campus and maybe you make it the whole week and that way kids could go to an event in at Michigan and one in Seattle and one down in LA and you know one in Eugene and all these different places that these kids want to go and visit and and uh, see and 
And uh, so, you know, it, it's really, it's really going to be interesting to see what happens. I, I am leaning more toward the fact that we are going to see something like that um, than I am thinking that they won't have anything until they won't have any in-person evaluation time until uh, the fall. Well, I'll tell you what, and you know this too, back in the day, we would call that doing the world tour where, where recruits would go to, you know, they would take a couple weeks either during their spring breaks or summer where they would try to, you know, hit camps at the various schools, whether it was Washington, Washington State, Oregon, Oregon State, Boise State, whatever. And they would literally spend a day here, a day there, a day here, a day there. And it would be like a little mini tour uh, trying to figure out, you know, what the schools were about, getting a flavor for them. And then obviously the, the coaches would get a chance to see them in person. And some of these were non-contact camps. Some of them were padded camps. And so there was a lot of variety there and a lot of things that they could uh, they could look at for sure. Um, I want to wrap this up, Scott, by just kind of what do you think are the next steps for Washington? What, it, what should Washington fans be looking for in recruiting uh, beyond maybe the commitment of a guy like Will Law to what 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 goes on? What do you think is going to go on beyond that? You've already I know talked a little bit about this this possible open period at the end of July, but yeah. anything else that they should uh, be looking forward to? Well, I I think over the next few weeks you could see three maybe four commits to the University of Washington, and we'll just have to wait and see. Um, I think you'll see Will Latu commit on Father's Day on the twenty first. I think Troy Franklin will commit that same day to Oregon. Uh, but I do not believe that things are uh, at an end for Troy Franklin, and I think there's still a very good chance he visits the University of Washington this fall, and that's when things get real, real interesting when he makes a visit up here. So uh, that being said, um, as far as other recruits, I'm not going to mention any names, but uh, I have a feeling you're going to see at least a couple more make their decisions before we get really into July and, and things like that. Um, We'll have to wait and see. I remember Garen. Didn't we have like a commit like every week for like four weeks or something like that last year? Probably. Garen, yeah. Garen Hatchet was one, or maybe it was in successive days or something. Because Garen Hatchet, I remember I was on vacation. Garen Hatchet did it, and then James Smith did it like a couple days later, and then Jacoby Covington made his commitment, and then he decommitted. But he, you know, and then Mikelistine and Elijah Jackson and everything like that. So it's. You know, it can come in bunches, and I know people want to get all these guys in the boat and all this different stuff, but, you know, you're just going to have to be patient. This year is so different than any other year from a recruiting standpoint, from a, from the dynamics of how things happen. I, that it, this is not an excuse for why Washington – I don't want to – like I said, I don't want to call it them struggling or on the recruiting front. I just think that the way recruiting has 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 – panned out so far played out so far it is not playing into what washington likes to do on the recruiting front and i think you're just going to have to be patient i think by the end of by the end of or by mid december and then by the first week of february i think it's february 5th is signing day this uh this next year i think husky fans are going to be very happy i think we're talking about a top 10 to top 15 class I like where Washington stands with the Mecca Buka right now. I know they're not leading, but I think they're doing really well with them. And I think that uh, and things are starting to play out with JT Tui Malau like we all thought they were uh, going to end up doing. So just be patient. Be you know, don't get too caught up in all the roller coaster moves because that's what's really happening. And uh, we'll have to wait and see. But I think it's going to be a lot better than than people are are uh, you know. Uh, 
a decent number of loud voices think it's going to be at this point. Well, it's good stuff, Scott. I appreciate you getting in touch, and 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 we're going to catch up, obviously, down the road here in the next week or so to kind of see how things wrap up. Because hopefully, there'll be some more news from the NCAA in terms of maybe opening things up for recruiting. We might find out a little bit more then. We might find out a little bit more because right now, as of Monday, this coming Monday, players are going to be returning. The returning players for the Washington football team are going to be on campus. They are going to be starting some voluntary workouts. They're going to be starting to to, to do these smaller group things that they can do within the King County guidelines, state guidelines for COVID, and all the other things that they have to do. So things are starting to ramp up slowly but surely. Frankly, I don't know about you, Scott, but but for my part, I wasn't sure we were going to get to this to this place uh, this early. I thought we were we were going to maybe be here a month from now. But I'm glad it's starting to open up. Hopefully we can uh, get some more clarity in terms of how things are going to go, not just on the football front, but on the recruiting front too. And when that happens, we'll be back talking to you guys about how those things are going to go. So, hey Chris, for, one, one thing I want sure. to add too. Yep. Um, Tracy Pearson did a good article on just kind of updating on where every school is at. Um, and you have that on the front page, I believe. Yep. Um, and – if you guys want to see where every school is at in the Pac-12 and where their start dates and who's showing up and what's all that stuff, go look at that. He's done a great job of encaps- uh, capturing what every school is doing, at least at this point. Obviously, a lot of things can change, but go go look at that because that gives you a great idea where each school is at. Okay, so we'll wrap it up for this week. For Scott Eklund, this is Chris Fetters of Dogman.com. Go dogs. 